Welcome back. I was going to do welcome, 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 but I feel like I need to start with a welcome back because I haven't done a podcast in, it's got to be two months at this point. I've sort of lost track. I'll be honest, I didn't expect to do another one so soon. It's a long story. Eventually, I'll tell the whole story of why I haven't been podcasting lately. But pulling me back in is the person who texts me about the Lakers. It's not daily, but it's pretty frequently the most frequent guest on this podcast. I, I've lost track of how many times you've been on. Yossi Gossel, what, this is like number eight, number nine? Yes, so probably something like that. I've also been on a little podcast hiatus myself about like a month, mainly because there's not much salary cap stuff to talk about, but we'll probably get into a little bit of that in this one. I feel like one of those like old 80s movies where I'm the retired podcaster living in the jungle and the old general pulls up and it's like, we're pulling you back in because I did not plan to do this podcast. I don't know. I'm finishing, like, I've got, I'm I'm finishing my this. first run of The Sopranos and it's oh, like really? when he does it every time. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I did not plan to do this podcast for, I don't know, it was going to be a little bit longer, um, but we had been texting so often about let's say our disappointments with the Lakers. It just got to a point where we we decided that we had to get something on audio. So here we are, we are recording the first two says no of the season. It might be the last for a little bit, but eventually I'll be back before the trade deadline to talk about the team that I frequently cover, the team that you grew up with, the Los Angeles Lakers, the major numbers coming into this podcast. They are eight and eight through 16 games. LeBron James has played only six times. They rank 24th in offense at 104.4 points per 100 possessions. They're allowing 107.2. That ranks them 15th. So what are your initial impressions, 16 games into the season, of the 2021-22 Los Angeles Lakers? One other stat. Uh, this was as of last week. They were dead last in points in the paint allowed. So uh, I don't know how – I don't. maybe that's changed, but I remember that that was another really concerning stat I, with them. Well, but, I've uh, got – on that note, with Anthony Davis at power forward, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Lakers are in the 57th percentile in defense. With Anthony Davis at center, that falls to the 19th percentile, and the eye test is supporting that. When Davis is playing center, teams are getting whatever they want at the basket. Yeah, so I guess we should just start off with the defense. Um, so I knew that the defense was going to take a hit. I'm a little, I'm very surprised. I really thought that. You know, like if you look at the Lakers core the past few years, he managed to Vogel managed to turn Pope and Kuzma into plus defenders. Like he really uh, left his imprint on the roster defense wise. And, you know, it might take some time with this, but I just don't see the defensive potential in this roster, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I don't think they're this bad defensively. Um, when LeBron comes back and uh, as more players get back, they're going to like being a, I'm, they're definitely better than a 500 team in general. So I think their defense will improve. The record will improve. Um, but um, are they going to be above league average on defense? I don't know. I, I think I might have been naive, but I was expecting a few things that haven't happened. Number one, I thought Russell Westbrook would be better on defense. And I don't know why I thought that. Nothing about the last 10 years has really informed that opinion. But I sort of naively believed, like, great athlete, little older, obviously has a high basketball IQ in some ways. Like, 
I sort of assumed he comes to a contender and he'll direct more of his efforts defense. That has not happened. I sort of expected Kent Bazemore to be good enough on offense. He shot 40% from three last year. That wasn't going to happen again. But I expected him to be good enough on offense to be playable, Same. and he hasn't been. I expected Avery Bradley to be not like he was in 2020, but like at least like a passable point of attack defender, and he hasn't been. DeAndre Jordan has obviously been probably the worst center in the NBA, like somewhere in that range. Like he offers nothing. At least like offensively, he'll at least like get a couple of offensive rebounds and he'll like catch the lobs. Defensively, he's doing basically nothing. So these are all areas that I think the Lakers expected, if not like great performance, significantly better than what they have right now. And I think what we're learning about Frank Vogel's scheme is that it's really dependent on point of attack defenders, right? Like they had when they were without LeBron and Anthony Davis last year, they still held on to the number one defensive ranking because they had Caruso and they had Caldwell Pope and to a lesser extent they had Kyle Kuzma. All of those guys are gone and the guys they've replaced them with have been significantly worse. I think the bigger question here is how good is Anthony Davis? Because I'm just going to say it thus far this season, he has not been at all defense caliber center. Like it's, it hasn't been close. Rudy Gobert has been better. Miles Turner has been better. A couple other guys have probably been in that range, been better. Like, this has not been bubble Anthony Davis thus far. How concerned are you with that? I'm not too concerned. I think that uh, just given all the injuries right now, and just, uh, I think it's in some ways I think it's hard for him to play defense at the level he needs to be when he has to do so much he has to do so much more than just protect the paint. Like in the in a perfect world, AD is a rim protector, and he can just worry about that. Now, thankfully, he's a lot more versatile. He can be an amazing deflector and disruptor of passes and a flow of offense. And if it feels like he's trying to do everything on defense, oftentimes he'll do these lineups, which you know you got him at center, and then everything else doesn't really make any other sense and the personnel is not really helping him and so is there another my, plus defender uh, in the starting lineup right now Russ isn't bradley isn't is there another plus defender in the starting lineup right now because russ isn't bradley isn't carmelo isn't i per, like taylor horton tucker has exceeded all expectations we'll have to see i i think i, I think yeah well, so far yeah so far i think he's been a disappointment not I, that's a bit much. I think the, the Lakers are playing him primarily, or at least the idea was we need somebody with his defensive versatility. I have not been super impressed with the defense thus far. Maybe that'll get better. I mean, physically, the upside is there. I think Anthony right. Davis is the only person in the starting lineup right now that has a track record of being a plus defender. LeBron obviously changes that. And Trevor Ariza, I don't know how many minutes he can play, but he was quite good defensively for the Heat last year. Like, if you can get 18 good defensive minutes out of him, I think that'll make a big difference. Plus, I mean, I don't think Kendrick Nunn is a particularly good defender, but if he's replacing Rondo, if he's replacing Monk, like, he's going to be better than they are. Right, and so, you know, you, you went through the whole roster, basically, and the only other guys I had, the, the two guys I, or three guys I was most confident in from the new additions well, I mean, one of one of them, two of them are new additions, which are um, uh, Ariza, who hasn't played yet, and Bazemore. And yeah, Bazemore, I don't know what happened. I thought he was 
Like, I never get too caught up with minimum signings. And when the Lakers got him, I thought that I, I thought that one was really impressive. He was really good for the Warriors last year at the minimum. And now maybe he's not even worth playing right now. Uh, Ariza, you know, I don't think we could count on him being a plus defender when he comes back, but uh, can't be that much worse than what they're throwing out right now. And then, yeah, to talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. So and his, he's been amazing in these three games. He's playing well enough for the Lakers to still consider to be having a big three. So in these three games, he's averaging 23 points per game and shooting 40% from three and almost seven attempts per game. So if that's sustainable, then I think they might have an answer to... I mean, it looks like they do have an answer to... Um, one of those uh, wings uh, spots in the, you know, that were very TBD as far as who's going to be the fourth and fifth starters. Um, a lot of people are upset with Avery Bradley right now. Um, it's funny because I've been, I've, I've definitely watched a good amount of Lakers and I, I haven't, I've kind of cooled off recently. So I know Bradley, like I saw him play pretty well. He would bail out the Lakers a lot, hit some threes in key moments and I haven't been watching too much basketball recently, and now everyone is very upset with Avery Bradley. I guess they're ready for him to move on. Uh, who? So if we got four starters basically set, who do you think should be the fifth starter? I kind of – it really depends on how well Taylor Horton Tucker shoots, right? Like, I don't think he's going to sustain 40%. I just think considering where he was in college and where he was his first two years, like he never shot above what? 30 I think he ne- yeah I just, it was never above 30 percent I believe right so, so he, if he even if he even tops out at 35 36 yeah that's what I'm good. thinking if if he's league average but he's taking six or seven threes a game then that's fine that's that's good enough you can get a little more defensive with that last spot and maybe it's Trevor Reza if he's a 30 percent three-point shooter and Westbrook is Westbrook you have no choice Carmelo has to be the fifth starter because otherwise you're gonna have no space whatsoever and frankly, you have no space whatsoever as is, right? Like the Chicago game, Anthony Davis got doubled on the first four plays. Like it wasn't even, the Bulls didn't, like, there, there was no foreplay involved in this. They just went right away. We are just not going to guard Westbrook off the ball, and we're going to help off of Horton Tucker. If Horton Tucker can't draw in that extra defender, number one, he shouldn't be playing with Westbrook. Like that's another conversation. Yeah. But if he is, Carmelo has to be the fourth starter. Or the fifth starter, but I think the other interesting question here is like, I, I'm not going to go nuclear and say Westbrook has to come off the bench, but like the past three games, Taylor Horton Tucker has been better than Westbrook. And if they yeah. don't fit, when do we start having a question of like, maybe the goal is to optimize Horton Tucker and not Westbrook? When does that conversation come into play? I don't think we're there yet. I think the, the, the stat that Lakers fans have to like really hold on to, the one that is basically screaming, this team works, just give it time, is that when LeBron Davis and Westbrook play without a center, they're plus 11 per under possessions. That's a tiny sample, mind you, it's only six games. But that's evidence that this team, in its current formulation, can work when it's healthy. But every other, basically every other piece of data, whether it's lineup data, team data, it doesn't really support the notion that this team is a contender right now. So... I mean, there's going to be some change. There's going to be change of some sort. I don't know if that means moving Westbrook to the bench, but what Horton Tucker has done so far 
right now, like you joked that like it looked like he might give the Lakers a chance of victory after all. He's been the third best Laker like the last three games. He's been or rather the second best Laker, yep, I guess. Like, best. Since LeBron's been out. Um I, uh, I don't so you, know how you much bring I up a really him. good point that Horton Tucker and Westbrook in some ways are very duplicative and you don't want to play this too. Yeah, ideally, you only want to play one of these players and optimize the rest of the lineup around them. Uh, unfortunately, when one of those players is making $44 million, I don't think that conversation of how do you optimize one of these guys is going to happen. I don't. If these two guys are among the five best players on the roster, they're going to be put together in the key stretches. And there's really... There's just... There's not. There's just nothing you could do, especially with Westbrook making 44 million. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the core issue here, right? I mean, like, even if Taylor Horton Tucker wasn't good and he's been very good, the Lakers would have no choice. They'd have to give him a major role. If you have three max players, you can't play your fourth. You can't play your fourth highest paid player 12 minutes a game, right? Like, you have to get real value out of that role. They made that decision to pick him over Caruso. That's looking better right now, obviously, but. If like he, let let's say the Lakers when fully healthy, their best lineup statistically, like in the plus minus, and every like good metric shows that the best lineup, for example, would be like something like uh, LeBron, Davis, Horton Tucker, uh, uh, Nunn, and one other guard. They're still gonna play Russell Westbrook like over one of those guys. It's yes. Just, it is like even if like even if the Lakers know it, even if Vogel knows it, Westbrook's still going to be prioritized. Just it is what it is. We can skip ahead, or do you want to? I have two Westbrook trades here. They're not realistic, but like I, I feel like we're we're dancing around this, and we should probably just throw this out there. I've got two. None of them are neither of them are realistic. They're not going to happen just for fun. Number one, it's a three-way trade. The Lakers get Kristaps Porzingis and Eric Gordon. The Mavericks get Russell Westbrook, Daniel Tice, and Kendrick Nunn. The Rockets get cap filler. What's your initial, what do you think? I don't think Dallas should do that. I think it's... Well, my whole argument is that you just get off of the extra year of the Porzingis deal. You're essentially (laughs) saying this year is a wash. We're just trying to get to the end of that contract as soon as possible. Yeah, but I, I, I get that, but just... Looking at it from Dallas's perspective, they they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to maximize Luca and I mean can't that'd be interesting Luca and Westbrook even if it's for a, a small amount of time, um, but I think they would rather keep going with Porzingis and uh, just hopefully you know if they do move them I I don't think it's for Westbrook. I agree with that and I mean. The, the reason I sort of do not like bad, it for though. Dallas, not about yeah. The reason I do sort of like it for Dallas is that the Mavericks would sort of be a little bit like the Rockets were two years ago, where like at this point you just have a bunch of shooting, like you have Hardaway, you have Brunson, you have I mean Dorian Finney-Smith isn't a great shooter, but he can make him from the corner. But you have Maxi Kleba as the center, I guess Daniel Tice who can shoot a little bit. Like at that point, you're just saying Westbrook is offensively our non-shooter, and that's that. But you're right, I don't think they would do it. The other one, the Lakers get Al Horford and Danilo Gallinari. The Celtics get Russell Westbrook, and the Hawks get Dennis Schroeder and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Hmm. You're thinking about this one. Say that last part again. 
the Lakers get Al Horford and Danilo Gallinari. The Celtics right. get Russell Westbrook, and the Hawks get Dennis Schroeder and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Well, the Hawks is just a salary dump. You get out of the last whatever guaranteed money you owe to Gallo next year. Celtics get their point guard, but it's like a short-term commitment. The Lakers get a stretch big and then just another shooter. Uh, yeah, the team getting Westbrook still says no, especially. I agree with that. That's so much. I just and because also Boston's got the tax concerns. That's gonna be way too much money. Yeah. Even if they right. really want to, even if they're like interested in Westbrook, like, you know, what if we got Westbrook? You know, like no, I don't, I don't. They don't want to spend that much, especially when they're already paying Tatum max, and uh, Brown's making like twenty five, twenty six mil. Yeah, but the, uh, the point of this exercise, I went through all of the big contracts in the NBA, like all of the contracts that could feasibly be matched for Westbrook. This is it. Like this is the closest I can come, and we still haven't found a deal where like the team getting Westbrook is excited about it. Therefore, I think we need, we can say pretty definitively at this moment, there's no good Westbrook trade out there. He's saying that's that. Like, I, I don't think anybody was really questioning that, but we need to lock ourselves into that mindset that the LeBron, AD, Westbrook trio is going to be the core of the scene this season, and everything they do has to be focused around the three of those guys. What percentage would you give that... It, by this trade deadline, the Lakers end up trading Russell Westbrook to OKC to just to save money and get a big trade exception. Can do, what's how is Oklahoma City matching? Because they don't have a big enough exception for Russ. What's their matching salary there? Because they waived Kemba. Well, if they, they still had Kemba, that'd be interesting. They can generate like up to forty million cap space, um, but then so then they just oh. got to send back the difference. That's, I mean, well, they could do something interesting with that exception, but I don't know what it would be. Like, they could do I'm the intrigued. same thing for John Wall. They could, uh, so, that's all it is, but the Lakers would have right. to give up a little something. It's a low percentage. The whole idea is that, like, how much worse does this need to be, how much, how, how, more, how much more poor does this need to go before the Lakers actually just decide, consider, like, let's just get off this guy and try to get someone else later. I think a few things need to happen. Number one, Taylor Horton Tucker has to be this good for like three months, right? Like the Lakers have to genuinely believe that they have somebody who can be the third guy on a championship team already in the building. And the other, and Westbrook has to just be like, it has to be so definitive. Like they're below 500 and all the lineups with him, the starting lineup getting killed. Like it has to be so definitive that there's just no way around it. Does Oklahoma City need stuff to do that? And, like, they wouldn't want to play Westbrook, would they? Like, they're not messing with their tank. Would they no, just leave him? Maybe they'll just buy him out. Just give up and some that, money. Like, that would be, can you imagine how the fans of Oklahoma City would react to that? Like, we got Westbrook back, but no, we're just buying him out. <laughs> no, that's the other thing oh. I thought about. Like, they might not trade him. They, they, may not, they might not play him. But there's something nice about, help, like, helping him out in a way like they'll free him and now he could just yeah. really find his ideal situation because there probably is an ideal situation out there where he's making like if he were to get bought out then he would probably just get the minimum immediately or like the mle there and then that opens up so many opportunities and then he could probably find something that actually makes sense i can't think of what but anyway that's like that because even under all these conditions you mentioned where you said even everyone realizes there's no way around it i still think they keep him I, I give like a 
five percent chance. Said, that's the, I only bring it up because that's the only Westbrook I could see, only Westbrook trade I could see happening at all. Aside from John Wall is the other one, but like I don't want to spend too much time on that. Like yeah. the obvious connection is that John Wall is clutch and he's not playing for Houston. I don't think the Lakers would give Houston all the extra stuff they would need to make that trade. Like I don't think there's any scenario where that's feasible. Um, the ideal Westbrook funny, situation, though, if they got traded Wall. for each other again. It would be hilarious, yes. But the ideal Westbrook situation if he got bought out would be the Nets. He would just be a regular season innings eater so they could rest Durant. That's what they would that's the ideal situation. But anyway, well, the point we're trying to establish here, Westbrook isn't going anywhere. Like as bad as it has looked at times, he's staying. Now there are, there's obviously the trend that over the last several years he's been bad to open seasons and he's gotten significantly better as seasons have gone along. There have been a few promising signs, right? Like, I thought he looked good against the Bucks last night. There was that game, I believe it was the third game of the season, where he was setting more ball screens for LeBron. Like, I feel like every game with LeBron, we were seeing some new wrinkle, even if it was only a possession or two, where like, oh, this is an interesting little flash cut for Russ, or like, oh, here's an interesting way he's screening for LeBron. Like, I felt like there were little bits and pieces that got me encouraged, but there's a long way to go, and right now, It's not looking great. So I think the goal right now is figuring out how to optimize that trio. So I just want to go through the rotation really quickly. It seems pretty clear right now that when it matters, DeAndre's out, Rondo's out, Bradley's out, and I'd say Bazemore is on his way to being out. Horton Tucker is in. Carmelo so far has proven that he deserves to be in. Although, man, he is the worst on-ball defender in the NBA. Like, DeRozan absolutely destroyed him. Oklahoma City destroyed him just hunting him in pick and roll so mercilessly. But I think he has to play real minutes just because his shooting is that valuable. I mean, if it's going to be anything close to what it's been thus far, but those two guys are in Therefore, Oh, and Dwight's probably in just because you need a backup center, but that leaves us with five players fighting for like maybe two, maybe three roles. Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Kendrick Nunn. How do you think it shakes out between those five guys? Um, the only one, I mean, there's, there's Reeves and I think a lot of that will depend on if he can supplant Bradley, if, uh, like, um, then there's none who, uh, I, I'm very high on. I really like that signing. Um, definitely a little concerning though, that he's been out this long. It's been past that frame time frame where they said he's going to get a reevaluator. We haven't heard anything. Uh, hopefully he can come back soon, but I would, well, my, I, I, the nine man rotation I always thought of like when fully healthy would be, uh, Westbrook, THT, LeBron, Davis, Monk, and then you got Dwight, Ariza, still probably got to play Bazemore and none. And then with Carmelo, um, I, He's definitely due for some regression, and I would I I want to I feel like these crazy nights where he blows up and has five plus threes I I'll probably come like several times a month instead of like several times a week. So if he's gonna still be one of the worst defenders, and pretty sure the Lakers are gonna have more a more a road heavy schedule as the season goes on, and he's ten of the next fifteen are on the road. Yeah, and we've seen the splits. Like he's Steph Curry at home and Shaq on the road. Just cannot hit threes. So 
Well, I'm still a little iffy on his sustainability in the rotation, but so far, I think he you're probably going to play him. He's he has been what the fifth best Laker so far. Uh, so we'll see how yes. that shakes out when if they get fully healthy and Ariza's back and uh, and now he's definitely going to have just, a smaller role with LeBron coming back. He has the political capital. Like it's going to take a lot to bench Carmelo. I'm not saying it's out of the question like it is with Westbrook, but like. I, I find it very hard to believe that they're going to get to the playoffs and he's not going to be playing 13 minutes, right? I, I, I'm also just going to throw out a number here. This is not real, but I just got a kick out of this. Guess where Austin Reeves is ranked in defensive Raptor? Could be in the top 30. 14th, tied with Joel Embiid, directly ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> That's not real. Austin Reeves is not a better defender than Giannis. But it does. There, there's a little something there. Like, yeah, I think he navigates screens better than any other guard on this team. I think he's very smart. He's got to put on some muscle, and I don't think that's going to happen during the season. Like, I'm more excited about like year two, year three. Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves is good, man. Like, he's smart. He does. Like, I don't want to make the Caruso comparison for obvious reasons. I think they're slightly different. I think he's more of like. I think he's a little bit more of an initiator, but they're both good connecting passers, right? Like. He's not quite as, like, early as Caruso is on defense. But, like, Austin Reeves is good at everything that the Lakers need a role player to be good at. I'm kind of sitting here thinking, like, I'd rather they give big minutes to Reeves than Malik Monk, right? Like, the things Malik Monk does aren't really all, are all that necessary on a team with LeBron and Westbrook and THT. And that's sort of the dichotomy I'm thinking here, right? Like, the Lakers have so many ball handlers on this team. Do you really need any extra beyond LeBron, Horton, Tucker, and Westbrook, considering how high usage they are? And I think that brings us to the obvious trade question, which is basically, even if you like Kendrick Nunn, he's the only tradable non-minimum guy, right? Like, they're not trading LeBron, they're not trading AD, they're not trading Westbrook. Horton Tucker right now has probably played himself out of trade consideration. So if they want to make a trade, Kendrick Nunn's $5 million is basically the only chip that they have to offer. So I've got a couple of lists here, basically split up into salary ranges of guys that I think Kendrick Nunn could get. I'm going to ask, tell me who you think is worthwhile. And maybe there are picks attached here. Like, I'm not talking about a complete trade. I'm just saying, here are the guys that are financially. If you just trade Kendrick Nunn, you can get to $6.35 million in income salary. Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig, both from the Pacers are the two guys that I think make any sense in that range. Are you giving up none and maybe a pick to get either of those guys? Um, I think I got to see a little bit of none play, to be honest. I'm, I really like none. And, but you're right. The Lakers do have a lot of overlap at the guard position. And now the other question is, can none hit his threes? Cause a lot of, you know, Monk can be very, inconsistent and not trusting uh, the playoffs I'm, I'm just not yeah They're and then Melo, like I said, i'm not really trusting him like at all <laughs> even though despite what he's done wayne ellington i'm just i don't even really consider him much of a rotation player um if if none can come out and actually be a reliable shooter then i think i still want to keep him i know that's uh it's definitely a very overlap but I do get the why you would want to do that trade because they do need some 
like positive value wing defenders and they have none and yeah like if if none is just okay like just as far as the shooting is not significantly better than a lot of the other guys and yeah that'd be both of them would either uh either holiday or craig that'd be a really good move i like it i think holiday's at the top of my list i think indiana is i'm not going to say combustible but i think they're ready for a move of some sort like and they're loaded at the wing. They could they could yeah. spare one, especially if TJ Warren comes back anytime soon. We'll get to TJ. He's on my high risk target list. Ooh. But anyway, Justin Holiday is, I think, a an LA native, which the Lakers always love. Number two, I think he's the right combination. Where like Craig is bigger, and I think there's something to be said for having like a burlier guy. But I like Holiday better as a point of attack guy against guards. If you need that, like. If you have to stick Westbrook on a three, if it's a bad three, you're fine, right? I think Holiday's versatility defensively is a little more desirable. He's a much more reliable shooter. He'd be near the top of my list. Kendrick Nunn plus one minimum. That gets you up to around $8.4 million. I have one name on this list, and you're going to shoot it down right away, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Mo Bamba. I don't hate it. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good idea, right? Like, yeah. If you want to get— I think I would actually do that. Really, I mean, I think the Magic would need draft capital to do that, but it's an interesting thought because if you look at like the type of center that the Lakers have been sort of trying to find since AD got there, of like the rim protector slash shooter, where there's like six or seven of those guys in the NBA, like Miles Turner is the platonic ideal, Serge Ibaka was at one point, like Obama this year has been that, right? Like he's shooting, I think like 36% from threes, he's blocking shots. He's never had it easier defensively than he would with Davis. I think that's something to consider. And remember, the Magic have to pay him this offseason, and they just paid Wendell Carter. So they might be willing to pay both, but I think that's worth giving it a shot. So that's a deal the Lakers, I think, definitely should jump on. Um, Orlando, I think they could get a little – they could get much better. None doesn't quite make sense for them. No, you're Uh, just doing that for draft picks. Like, if the Lakers offer – and we should just go over this now – the Lakers have one tradable first-round pick. It's either in 2027 or 2028. They can get to two, but they need New Orleans' help because right now the 2024 first-round pick they owe the Pelicans from the AD trade can be deferred to 2025. If they got the Pelicans to agree to waive that deferral right, and usually the price for something like this is a second-rounder, if they got them to defer that, then the Lakers could trade 2026 as well. So basically you'd have to be offering a first-round pick with none to get him, I think. Yep, but I don't, they're not going to do that. They have to get, no. like, a Buddy Heald-level type player to consider surrendering a first-round pick, but they're going to be way too I expensive. disagree with that. I'll test, you, I'll test you when we get to way down the line here. Kendrick right. Nunn in two minimums gets you to $10.5 million. Kyle Anderson's the only guy in this range that I have. I wouldn't do that. He just hasn't been playing very well this season. Yeah, that one's very meh. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I like Kyle Anderson. But doesn't quite. He's not. Gonna, I don't think he's gonna change like anything about the Lakers' outlook versus. He's none. been worse defensively this year, and you want to talk about redundant. If his shot like continues to regress as it has, then he is just like he, his skill set just may have too much of that as it is. Yeah, Andrew Gunn plus three minimums, and this is where stuff gets a little unrealistic because finding three roster spots to take on these three minimums gets tough. I'm just talking about the cat, Matthew. Larry Nance, yep. 
Terrence Ross, Josh Hart, Kelly Oubre. Anybody stand out in that group? I would take all of them in that deal. With a, would you give up a first-round pick for any of those guys? Oh, no. <laughs> Not a first-round pick. We greatly differ on the value of Lakers' first-round picks. My feeling is they're the Lakers. They don't need to be thinking that way. Like, put protections on the pick, sure. But don't think that way, right? Like, you have a chance to win a championship right now. Pay the price to do it. Okay, but if we're being realistic, there's also, I want to say, like a pretty somewhere 40 to 50% chance that when this window is up, the Lakers are going to be, they could be pretty bad for the next two to three to four years even. And Why is that such a bad thing, though? No, no. So if you're the Lakers, you got to be treating that pick as very valuable. Like, I'm not saying do not trade the pick, but you better get like another really good starter if you're trading one of those picks, especially way far out. Who knows where the Lakers are going to be then? Yeah, they could maybe there's, you know, LeBron and Westbrook's money will be done. They could have cap space. Maybe they get someone else by then. You don't know, though. It took the Lakers a while to get a star when they got LeBron. If so I were the just, Lakers— you got to treat that—I like I wouldn't trade that pick for like a Terrence Ross or Larry Nance. you got to trade it for someone way better. If I were the Lakers, I would be trying to trade as far out as possible. Like I'd rather trade 2028 and 2026 because it's likelier by 2028 I'll have found another star. So that's my perspective on it. But I'm also just—I am personally of the belief that championship windows are— rare and to be cherished so i just do whatever it takes to keep them open so i'm willing if i have to give up like a pick that becomes number six overall so be it i don't care like i care about i just think for like a terrence ross or kelly Oubre, that's just that's you got to do better than that if you're trading one of those picks and i think better than that kendrick dunn plus four minimums again we are in unrealistic territory i don't know where the lakers are finding four roster spots to take these guys on but here's my list robert covington T.J. Warren, Thad Young, Marcus Smart. Do we have base here with with Marcus Smart? Yeah, Marcus Smart, I'd give up one of those first, probably. What's his eligibility with the extension? When is he eligible to be traded? January 25th. And there's no base here because of the extension? Like, his cap number is his cap number? Uh, Yeah, he's going to be whatever he's making this year. That will be his outgoing salary. And... Uh, yeah, there's no restrictions after January 25th. Now, I don't think that, that now the late now I'm pretty sure Boston could get a lot more. Yes, slash, they probably want to save Marcus to get to consolidate for something else. But uh, value wise, I mean, a a Lakers pick that far out, you know that you got a lot of time if you're the Celtics. You can do a lot of things with those picks. You know, someone might really overvalue that pick, give you something really good for it later. Brad Stevens has a ton of job security. Like, he's one of the GMs that can afford to trade for a pick in 2028. And if you look at, like, how many opportunities the Celtics squandered with these, like, deep future picks, I, w- I think that organizationally they might think, like, wow, we'd like another shot at, like, a pick five years out that's really valuable that we can use whenever we feel ready. Are you right. prepared? Like, are you at all willing to take the TJ Warren risk, or is that too risky for you? Um, I got to see him a little bit. Uh, and I, I probably that agree. actually is a trade. I like out of all those players you just mentioned. If 
a none plus a bunch of minimums for Warren. I mean, Warren is expiring, and there was Indiana's like, not paying him. They're, they've got two right. contracts on the book. They're That's number him. one, and then there was some reporting that he might be unhappy there when they had Bjorkren, so who knows? Uh, uh, a pick, uh, I think that's very fair. Like, if you're Indiana and that's the best you could get it and you're not going to re-sign Warren, I'd take that. 100% agree. Robert Covington. I think Portland would have to disintegrate, and he has not been great this year. Now, I think a lot of that is on Chauncey Billups, who has been using him far too much as like a, hey, go take the other person's best of, like best scorer. I don't think that's his strength defensively, but... Do you think, like, is that worthwhile for the Lakers? Do they even need another help defender? Because that's what LeBron does so well. I, I, I think the Lakers could really use Covington, but I would not give up a pick for him. I, like, I, once he was on the Rockets, I decided to really study him. Like, okay, let's see why Houston valued him so much. Why did they trade Capella to get him? And... He's not a good one-on-one defender. I remember watching the series versus OKC, and Chris Paul just blew by him every time. And so I think his value is more like we were saying about AD, how he could be a really good deflector and disruptor. That's where I noticed Covington is, that's his impact. Um, And Mike D'Antoni really optimized that. I also think that having him as a potential small ball five for certain matchups when Davis rests, like would you feel all that comfortable playing Dwight Howard against the Warriors? I probably wouldn't. No, wouldn't play Dwight or DeAndre a minute against the Warriors. No. So wait, then what's your non AD minutes plan? Are you playing LeBron at center? Uh, I'm not opposed to it. I think I've, I've said privately to you, I think the Lakers should really embrace their, the, the roster, like what they're, they're, they skew very small. They've got a lot of point guard, shooting guard size guys, and they're a lot of their best players are could, are either you know Anthony Davis, the only good big man, and then they've got a couple wing size guys that are very good in LeBron, amazing LeBron James, and then you got Trevor Reason when he comes back. Um, so look, I don't. If we're being realistic, there's most likely. Lakers roster is going to be the same. Yeah, there could be some minor tweaks, but, you know, their best players are small. So I think, you know, we might as well just get into this part of the conversation. You know, what do we think the Lakers should do? And I just think they need to try to be an, an elite offense. I think their only chance at being a contender at this point is to just fully embrace being small and just try to outscore their opponent because this is the roster they have. I don't agree with the, what, with the direction they went, but this is what they have now. And I, they lost their defensive identity when they made that Westbrook trade. I think a lot of people are, it's easy to look at letting Caruso go and you can see how amazing he is in Chicago right now. He's, I think he's an all, he's going to be all defense at least second team, probably first, to be honest. And it's easy to look at that and see, like, wow, no wonder the Lakers' defense is crumbling. But also, they had Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They had Kyle Kuzma, two very underrated defenders, and they they lost them. 
And you, those, it's very hard to get enough of those guys back. I don't think, you know, if, so you bring up some trades where, okay, maybe you can get one of those guys back, but they lost three very positive defenders. And uh, so if they don't have the, I don't think, I don't think Vogel should be trying to like focus so much on the defense. A lot of his best teams, if you look at, defense like his uh defensive rating a lot of his teams in indiana they were basically always at least top 10 and he was number one a bunch of times but this team is probably not even going to be top 10 in defense so try to be an elite offense i think that's where they got to go so here's my issue with that approach if you're going that route i think you have to accept that you're going to have some half court deficiency just through westbrook right like yeah having him is going to make it harder to run a lebron ad pick and roll that's just a fact that's not saying that like he ruins your half-court offense, but it's harder when you have somebody who is a zero off the ball. Therefore, if you're going to be an elite offense, you have to be like not just elite in transition. You have to be like number one, one of the most efficient transition teams of the decade. They're not close to that right now. They, um, they rank eighth in fast break points per game and 15th in transition efficiency, despite ranking second in pace. They're trying to run. It's just not going well. So if you're not a great transition offense, and LeBron will help. I'm not denying that. Like, they will be better in transition with LeBron. I don't know that they're going to be as good as they were in 2020 when, like, all of their offensive deficiencies were covered up by how good they were on the break. I don't think they have that this year. So I'm just – I'm a little dubious of putting all of your eggs in the offense basket if you don't have that transition cushion. I I, I I see that. I highly doubt that they will actually be able to get to like a top eight defense. And, you know, Frank Vogel is known for his defense. Um, I'm sorry, to get become a top eight offense. And we know Frank Vogel is known for his defense. Um, I just think that if you look at the personnel, I think it, the roster does have the potential to be like a top 10 offense and maybe even higher. And there's certain things you could do just never play the backup centers do some small ball lebron or reza center when he comes back uh three point guard lineups just get get scoring and i don't um i'm not sure um we've seen like the full extent of of uh them trying to just outscore everybody and yeah, you're throwing like you're really throwing away the defense, but it's not really there to begin with. I like the idea of LeBron at center lineups that they worked really well in 2020. I don't think you can use them in the regular season. I think the wear and tear is too great. But I think it's an interesting wrinkle in the playoffs because DeAndre is unplayable. Um, Dwight Howard has been better, but not great. And I don't see where the center option is coming. Like I'm looking at the buyout market right now and doesn't look like Kevin Love is getting bought out. Like Cleveland is playing too well. Beyond that, like, is Tristan Thompson going to be a difference maker for you? Robin Lopez? Like, I don't see where they're getting a center here. So you're basically locked into like 40 AD minutes. And then I don't know what you do with the other eight minutes if you don't trust Dwight Howard. So I personally would be in favor of LeBron at, the, at center minutes or whether you want to call it Carmelo at center. Well, Carmelo at center would be just defensively disastrous. You can't do that. But LeBron at center or Ariza at center, I think you could try to play a little bit more switchable and there might be something there. So yeah, I I agree with you. I do think that that's a possibility. 
But you touched on Vogel, and I have been a Vogel defender. I think with the roster he's been given, like I don't know what more people could expect, especially with LeBron out. The thing that bugs me is that you look at the hustle stats on NBA.com. Lakers are 23rd in contested shots. Unheard of for a Frank Vogel team. 28th in loose balls recovered. 24th in screen assists. Like, effort is a problem here. Like, that's evident. You watch this game, and you see the way Russell Westbrook plays defense. You see the way Carmelo plays defense sometimes. You see the way that Davis, frankly, plays defense too, more often than you'd like. And I'm sorry, like, it's worth pointing out that, like, they're just, the effort is not acceptable a lot of the time. I don't know if that's the coach's fault. I don't think there's a better option here. But we talk about this behind closed doors. Like, at what point do you start to think about Frank Vogel? Not that I think this is his fault. I think this is a lot more to do with LeBron and with Rob Polinka. But at what point do you start to wonder, they only gave him a one-year extension, if they might start to think about something else? So, look, it, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. I don't think the Lakers are a 500 team. Like, I, I, But at the same time, I'm, I was never super high on them to begin with. I feel like they're probably a 5-6 seed at best. And, you know, like, they're 500-ish without LeBron. I, I don't know... How I don't know how much of this he could fix, but I think he should definitely get them back to like a five, six. Maybe they could even be a four seed. Um, now, the personnel versus the coaching. Ultimately, I just think this personnel, it's there. You can improve it, but I don't think they're, you're making a contender out of this. Now, the one one if you want to you know talk about who else can do the job. Uh, the one team I draw a little bit of comparisons from the past are the 2020 Houston Rockets. And the only, now obviously, so you got Westbrook, and you've got a lot of guards and a lot of like smaller wing size guys. And you had uh, Houston had Robert Covington at center. The Lakers have Anthony Davis. Like, there, there, you can definitely still, uh, you can still like, you know, I think you can still get to an acceptable defense and really maximize a lot of these guys that Lakers have guys that they're known for scoring. Kendrick Nunn can score. Malik Monk can score. Ken Bazemore, decent score. Um, Wayne Ellington can shoot some threes. Um, so I do. So the like the one name I of uh, the only replacement I'd ever really considered if the Lakers were to make a move would be Mike D'Antoni just because he made Westbrook his most efficient the one that one year in Houston like Westbrook was you know he was already on the decline after his MVP year but and you know he wasn't amazing in Houston but he was very efficient and he was like I legitimately thought the Rockets could have beaten the Lakers in the playoffs that year. Uh, now imagine you had Anthony Davis instead of Robert Covington for Mike D'Antoni. Like he would, I I think he would work wonders. But at the same time, no, nah, I still don't think any coaching change is going to bring this team to like contender status. I don't either, and the Lakers are never bringing Mike D'Antoni back. That marriage is that that's done. Like nothing on earth. It's just it's not going to happen. The Bus family isn't going. Uh, I, I, I don't see why not. I think I, I, I just, I mean, different management now. I don't see why I not. I guess they brought Phil back. 
I just don't like. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I just I just don't see why not. Like, if you're gonna replace Vogel, I think that's the guy you got to go with. The go with the guy who actually has some experience making the best out of Westbrook. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised that nobody on Lakers Twitter has suggested Phil. I'm not saying, like, obviously, for a million reasons, it's not going to happen. And he wouldn't make sense, and it would be bad all around. I'm just, I'm surprised that there hasn't been one person with, like, 5,000 followers going, like, it's time to bring Phil back. (laughs) Um, That ship has sailed. They could have... That ship has been given a Viking funeral. It's been burned. It's done. Phil Jackson is out of the NBA. Um, But the realistic thing, like, the real reason, among many others, that I wouldn't want to get rid of Vogel is that David Fisdale is probably next in line. And I've seen the David Fisdale head coaching experience, and I'm not too eager to repeat it. So if there's a solution here, it probably has to be roster-based. And I'll throw out the one last set of trades here. What needs to happen for you to consider trading Taylor Horton Tucker? Um, because honestly, like he is the bridge to the future if he's this good, right? And he's only twenty. So if, if he is this good now, like I don't think it's a stretch to say you're looking at like somebody who can average twenty two, twenty three points a game in a couple of years. That's what I he's doing right now. I don't know what you trade him for because you can get. A veteran is, you know, definitely going to increase their ceiling this year. But I just don't know who they can realistically get for Taylor Horton Tucker that's going to put the Lakers, like, like back in the conversation. I just – do you have any? Six names. I don't – I suspect most of them are not available. I'm just going to put them out there. They would come with a – not in every deal and be varying levels of minimums like for some it's none and for some you need three minimums to make it work financially here are my okay. six names so they're like Bogdanovich. okay sorry uh miles turner harrison barnes jeremy grant fred van vliet buddy healed you had me at fred van vliet if Fred Van Vliet's available, you do it. I don't think there's any chance he's available. He's if they can get Fred Van Vliet, I think they could win a playoff series. Good Maybe. God. Good God. If they get Fred Van Vliet, I, they would, I, I'd pick them to win the West. Like, I, really? You can't, Interesting. I can't imagine a better fit for, the, for that oh, trio I, than Fred Van Vliet. But Fred Van Vliet's not available, so I'm not going to waste much energy on it. Yeah. Do we agree that Buddy Heald is probably a no? I think that they've burned that bridge with Sacramento already, and I don't think that they want to trade. Like, they probably look at what Carmelo's done and what they get out of Wayne Ellington and think, like, we have a bunch of great shooters already, not as great as Buddy, obviously. We don't need to mortgage our future for another one if he can't defend anything. Right. Um... What about Grant and Barnes? Yeah. Who? Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes? Like, you know, you definitely they'll definitely be get a lot more consistent. I if he, they got other guys, they'd be great fits. But uh, you know, man, I I would go from being a first round exit to probably winning a first round series. Uh, again, I'm. It's just this foundation is just so flawed. Uh, 
you know, I don't, I just, I just in the end, uh, with as long as you have Westbrook, you really got to optimize everything around him. The Lakers just haven't done that. I don't think they'll ever optimize, they'll, they'll ever work things around him enough to get to the point that they're going to uh, really make some noise, even if they get a Harrison Barnes or a Jeremy Grant. I workshopped this, this one on Twitter, and I kind of like it. THT, Kendrick Nunn, and three minimums. And maybe there's draft capital involved here somewhere, but those are the five Lakers outgoings for Miles Turner and Justin Holiday. And if you're the Lakers, the idea is we're just going to be awesome on defense again. Because even if Russ is bad, our four other starters are going to be Justin Holiday, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner. Does that entice you at all? That actually does. I That might actually be enough to let Vogel work his magic and make this maybe even a top 10 defense. Uh, with Miles the Turner there, and then you know you got... Finally, an, an appropriate size wing there. I that I think you know that's not a. At that point, it just depends how much do you value Talon, and. Uh, I think the team you know, values. I, it I'm actually not. I'm not even sure the Lakers should do that, just because. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just very impressed by what Talon's been doing recently. I but, think the team values him too much to make the trade. I put this trade out there on Twitter, and the response was exactly what you'd expect. Every Lakers fan said, like, how dare you? We will never give up Talon Horton Tucker. We'd have to get Brogdon back, too. And every non-Lakers fan was like, LOL, Lakers think they can give up nothing and get really good players. I'm like, have you people watched Talon Horton Tucker the last three games? Like, I don't know if this is going to sustain. The player we've seen the last three games is like, especially as a 20-year-old, dude's on an all-star trajectory. Like, I'm sorry, that dude, he's awesome. I don't know if it's going to sustain, but the guy that we've seen over these last three games has been spectacular. And somebody that, frankly, the Pacers, who have such a dearth of long-term talent, just need, right? They don't, they can't be thinking about fit. They just got to be thinking, let's get cost-controlled talent. If you can get Horton Tucker for two more years after this at, what, $20 million total? That's a, that's a freaking bargain. Well, Talon's on a two-year deal. I mean, it's a two-plus-one, but based on the oh, way Oh, is there a player option on it? Yeah, so based oh, on the way you're getting playing. it for one year, super cheap, then essentially. So yeah, one so you got one year left, and that's actually well. Here's the other interesting part about Talon's future. Uh, if he continues this upward trajectory, he's going to be due for a raise. He's probably he could be making twenty million plus, especially in a rising cap environment. If you're the Lakers, do you want to pay him that much, or would you want to capitalize on him now for someone? you deem a little, I guess, a little more worthy of the money. Because um, he's going to opt out after next season. He's probably going to double his money. Well, remember, LeBron and Westbrook both expire after next year. So I think we need to be rethinking what the Lakers' finances look at that point. And if, if Taylor Horton Tucker is worth $20 million at that stage, then something has gone very right. Yes. And you probably just think he's like, he's our bridge. He's the guy we're keeping till the next era. Then, yeah, in that case, don't trade him. <laughs> yeah, I, I the Miles Turner thing, really, I'm, I'm into that. I ultimately think Taylor Horton Tucker is saying put, and if there's a trade, it's going to be Kendrick Nunn plus some other stuff for some sort of wing defender. Like, I could throw out, you know, Cam Reddish, 
like as a rookie scale guy that maybe they'd have interest in just from the perspective of let's get a younger guy as a cleaner fit. But like, eh, I don't know. Horton Tucker has been really good. I kind of think they just want to ride this thing out. Yeah. And you got to have something for the post LeBron Westbrook era. Uh, I disagree with this fundamentally, by the way, we go through this with every championship caliber team. And my feeling is just like, wouldn't you rather just suck at that point? Like, A, the Lakers are out several first-round picks. They're not out all their first-round picks. If they're terrible for a few years, you'll get some good lottery picks. B, more importantly, you're the freaking Lakers. If you get rid of all of your good players at one time, you'll have a bunch of cap space, and you'll just start the cycle all over again with another set of good players, right? Like, if LeBron and Westbrook leave in 23, then guess what's going to happen in 25? Two new stars will be there. Like, that's my point. I don't understand this perspective of, like, we need to put ourselves in a position to win 48 games after LeBron and Westbrook leave. No, go all in on LeBron and Westbrook now, just like you did with Kobe, and figure the rest out after that. Well, I'm talking, you yeah, know, you're right. They aren't down that many picks. I'm just talking about the perspective. You're going to give up another future pick on top of this, which. Yeah, I just don't they, care. Lakers have been very disciplined for the most part. They The only picks they've been trading were the ones, like, of the current draft to get Schroeder and then to get Westbrook. So not bad. But I wouldn't trade anything super out there unless we're getting a stud. I think there are some guys on the just Kendrick Nunn. Like, if I had to give up a first-round pick and I could get Covington or Warren or Smart, who I don't think are available, I would do that. I'd frankly probably give up a first-round pick to get Terrence Ross. I'd give up multiple seconds to get Justin Holiday. Like, I think there are workable trades here. And I think ultimately the Lakers will look better at, at the deadline than they do right now, especially just like, Avery Bradley is non-guaranteed. I don't think he's finishing the season on the team. They'll get somebody in the buyout market. Like, maybe they sign Gary Harris. Maybe they bring back Wes Matthews. Maybe they sign James Ennis. I think the roster will look slightly better in March than it does now. Agreed. That seems like the right place to close it up in what has been a far more negative podcast than even I expected. Yossi, you don't think they're winning a playoff round? Right now, I think I thought before the season that they're probably a first round exit, and so far I'm feeling that way. I mean, if you look at so let's look at the West. You got the Warriors, you got Utah. I mean, uh, Phoenix. Both those teams are just on fire right now. Um, let me get the standings out, and then you got Utah. The Lakers have given up so many games at this point that it's unlikely that they're going to be a top seed. So if they get into the playoffs. If they're like a six seed, you start with a three seed right away. Like, if you start with Utah in the first round, that, that's dicey. If you start with Phoenix in the first round, the Lakers saw this last year. That, that's dicey, right? Like, if I wouldn't have thought of them as a first round exit coming into the season because I thought they were going to have such an easy regular season, right? Like, I thought just having this high of a floor with LeBron and Westbrook was going to make them a high seed. That's not the case anymore. So you might have a point just because they're going to have a really hard first-round matchup. Yeah, so there's five teams that I'm, I would be terrified of. you got the Warriors, Suns, the Clippers and Nuggets when they get healthy, and then, you know, Utah. They could probably be Utah. Um, you know, that, that's definitely a winnable series. But I'm sure they're going to be better after what happened last year. So I, I just see- wouldn't – I just don't – I just don't see the Lakers beating those any of those five teams, to be honest. We will 
we will revisit this at the deadline when we yes. see what they look like with LeBron and we've seen what the roster looks like. But for now, that was my first podcast in two and a half months. This was easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to yeah. be rustier. Um, and and keep in mind, we're, we're, we're talking about this right after Lakers lost to the Bucks, And this is like, this could be the rock bottom. Most likely they're going to do a lot better from here. I mean, Okay, they're scheduled. I'll say this: the schedule is getting get tougher. They really did fumble the first quarter of the year. Like this was supposed to be a really easy schedule. They weren't supposed to lose more than like three, four games. I think most people kind of felt that way. Um, so that's the other thing I'm a little scared of. But I still think they'll be better than this, even though they're the schedule is going to get harder. I think we probably started talking about them. At, they're rock bottom and they'll look well, that was better. the idea right i wasn't going to bring you yeah. on for a four game winning streak with your westbrook negativity <laughs> yeah it's for so you know if we have to have another negative talk like this which then we have more problem yes a month and a half or so then okay that's that's probably that might be it <laughs> anything you want to plug uh not too much just follow me on twitter at yossi goslin and um, I got the Hoops High podcast with Michael Scotto. Uh, you could listen to me there. All right, that'll do it for us here today. I am not going to make any promises on when the next podcast comes. Although, if it gets any worse for the Lakers, I might cut this hiatus short. But for now, that'll do it. Uh, we'll be back when I feel like it. So, take care. <laughs>